Hey, oh, folks, it's your friend Adam. Just a heads up for episodes five and six here, we tried a remote recording solution that didn't quite live up to our expectations, but we had two excellent guests on and we didn't want to lose the great stuff that they brought to the show, so we did everything that we could to preserve the audio. The shows are good, 100% listenable. The audio quality just doesn't meet the standard that JP and I normally hold ourselves to. So, having said that, thanks for being a fan and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Adam. I've never seen Lost. I have. I'm told that it's good. I liked it. I'm told that it made sense. Sort of. But we're watching it out of order. So it definitely won't make sense. But it might still be good. Since we won't expect it to make sense, we'll still be able to appreciate each episode on its own merits as a one-hour story. Sometimes two or three. As opposed to just a fraction of an ongoing, sprawling, and increasingly complex tangle of relationships, personal stories, mysteries, mythologies, experiments, social dynamics, unnatural disasters, unanswered questions, and hot tropical hookups. Are you okay? I'm not sure. Because you lost me a little bit there at the end. Good, because I've been lost since the beginning. We're We're lost on Lost. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to Lost on Lost. I am Adam Busher, and I'm joined, as always, by J.P. Russell. Yo, yo. Today, we're talking about All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, the 11th episode of season one and the 11th episode overall. Our featured character is Dr. Jack Shepard. All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues takes place on the 16th day after the crash of Oceanic 815. JP. Yes. You ready for that recap? Yes. Give it to me. All right. Here's your recap. Claire is missing. Good. (laughs) Just stop looking for her. We're done. You want more of a recap than that? (laughs) Yes, please. All right, fine. Uh, Claire has been taken by some hero named Ethan. A small search party goes to look for her and Charlie, I guess. Um, There's a lot of tracking in the woods. Sawyer is still kind of racist. And Walt sprinkles a lot of exposition nuggets and no one seems to care about it. Also, we plunge further into the backstory of Dr. Jack McBeefcake, uh, specifically his relationship with his drunk dad, Doctor. In the words of Christian Shepard, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy, am I right? <laughs> you asked me to do the intros. You asked for this. I, I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> yes. Our guest today uh, is a one James Leesky. Welcome to the show, James. Well, hello. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your guest. How's it going? Uh, I, I should say uh, James Leesky of the podcast Trailer Hitch, should I not? You should. I mean, I was going to plug it eventually. <laughs> I was going to get there, but I, I'm cool with a, a you know an intro plug as well. James, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, besides sure. that you're the, the co-host of the, the show trailer hitch as jp said i am the co-host of the show trailer hitch where we talk about movie trailers mostly make fun of them but for the most part give professional reviews i have a high school diploma and i have a college diploma i almost forgot about that one i work in los angeles here and that's where i am currently recording but i'm not currently working because of that uh that college diploma right that's why you're not working (laughs) because the film degree yeah that's exactly right (laughs) James, uh, what do you do for uh, for work? You mentioned you work here in L.A. What uh, what keeps the lights on? For paychecks, I <laughs> work in post-production. So at the moment, I am an assistant editor on various projects. Currently, Most recently, a show called All-American on the CW. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Other, other, th- other than that, these days, I have been doing not much. So when you guys reached out to me about... <laughs> You know, being a guest on this show, I'm like an excuse to rewatch Lost 
Yes, please. I have the time. Let's do it. Speaking of rewatching Lost, did you watch Lost when it originally aired? Did you would you follow along week to week or did you catch up later or? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I didn't jump on when it first started. I didn't watch a whole lot of TV around that time. It wasn't until 2007 or 2008. I went over to my friend's house, Brad, and he had season one on DVD. And he's like, hey, what are you doing this day? I'm like, uh, nothing. Great. Come over. We're going to watch the whole season. <laughs> So I said, uh, okay. And after like three episodes, I was completely hooked. We binged the entire first season. This was before streaming. So yeah, just discs. And, you know, we, we got Jimmy John's. They were not freaky fast. I was very upset about that. And we finished the season and we put in the, the disc for season two, episode one. And then that's where we stopped it. But then I, I was hooked after that point. So I, I caught up on my own. I think I caught up in season five. And season five is when I actually got to start watching episodes as they aired. Okay. So your friend uh, Brad, you said? Yeah. Uh, and was like, hey, I hope you're not busy today because you're going to be confused and hangry. <laughs> that's that's how he sold it? Basically. And it's a okay. good combination, especially yeah. when Jimmy John's took like two hours to get to us. I was very upset about it. That is unacceptable. Yeah. For someone who claims to be freaky fast, I was very upset. But no, um, I've I've been a fan of Lost for a very long time, and um, since since that fateful day, and yeah, so I, I was thrilled when you guys asked me to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. What other what other kind of shows do you like to watch? Are you normally digging for a serialized uh, story, or are you uh, liking a episodic week to week kind of thing? Like, what are you watching now? Yeah, I jump around. I'm a big fan of comedies. Uh, your your comfort food comedies, so like your Scrubs, Parks and office 30 rock scary movie Uh, (laughs) 2 sure yeah scary movie 2 um i guess in terms of television that's that's kind of what i gravitate towards but outside of comedies i do like lost i do love a good out there concept show this kind of venn diagram with comedies but the good place like i was really into okay but otherwise like the new Watchmen show on hbo Oh, another project of uh, Damon Lindelof of Lost fame. <laughs> oh, shoot. You're right. That wasn't planned. It was just I heard Watchmen was excellent and I jumped on like way late. But also just like a show. Uh, it's also on HBO called Run. Uh, just got canceled. So that sucked. But um, I liked that. So I, li- I like weird concept shows, too. So you're watching like a lot of Rizzoli and Isles over there. (laughs) Is that like another version of Law and Order? Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Be sure to check out our Rizzoli and Isles podcast, which will be airing uh, never. (laughs) I was going to say, unless you can come up with a very clever name for that podcast. We're watching that one out of order. It's just called Isles and Rizzoli because there was two episodes. Oh, God. All right. Let's do it. Uh, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues originally aired on December 8th, 2004. It was written by Javier Griot Markswatch and directed by Stephen Williams. Javier Griot Markswatch was a regular writer for Lost. He went on to write a a fairly large handful of other Lost episodes. I don't even think that this was the first one he wrote for Lost. It's just the first one of his we're running into. And Stephen Williams was a regular director on the show. He went on to, in the later seasons, uh, become a co-exec producer. Uh, so this uh, this show is, is in the hands of uh, two, two regular Lost 
fellas. <laughs> it was weird. I, I follow a lot of these people on Twitter. Um, and so just the other day, I uh, I wanted to make mention of this. Uh, Javier uh, tweeted out, uh, I think this was two days ago. Today is pretty much shaping up to be the kind of day at the end of which I am just going to smoke a bowl the size of a human head and watch the scene where Cap gets Thor's hammer over and over again until I pass out. <laughs> That's pretty good. 288 likes at the time I uh, screenshotted that tweet. <laughs> so you said you're following all these. Are any of them following you back? Most of them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. Did you say following me? Yeah. Then no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about all the co- uh, best cowboys have daddy issues. This is a Jack episode. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so JP, so how do you feel about our, our second Jack episode here? Um, Not as strongly as I felt about the first one. This one... I- I don't. I don't mean to put the the cart before the horse here, but it, in our previous one, where where we're jumping back and forth between Jack's wedding uh, and his terrible vows, and we're <laughs> we're flashing forward to Claire giving birth and all the the, the stuff that he had to deal with with the leg. This one, his flashbacks kind of, there's some allegory to be drawn from it, but it's very much, I, I felt like it was just kind of shoehorned in like, ah, his dad's a real jerk. And and I, I didn't care for this one as much as I did our previous Jack episode. All right. James, what did you think as far as when I reached out to you and told you that this was the episode you were going to be uh, talking about with this? Did you remember watching this episode back in the day or had the memory completely washed away so not by name uh when you told me that the episode title all the cowboys have daddy issues i assumed it was going to be a sawyer episode right um oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my initial thought based on the title especially like the cowboy aspect of it but realizing it was a jack episode i thought huh like does every main character on the show have daddy issues Maybe. Yes. And then I, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure like all of them do. Um, I don't I don't see how Jack is a cowboy, but whatever. I do remember watching this episode. Like I said, that fateful day, I watched all of season one. So I remember a lot of those episodes from that very one day. And I mean, JP kind of nailed it. I, I think the Daddy Issues episode has some television issues but there are still things in it that i i really like but it's not exactly like on a structure basis sure and especially with this one because i think some of the times lost is at its best is when what's happening in the flashback is like coinciding with what's happening on the island Mm -hmm. i think this is one of the first episodes of season one that it doesn't really mesh a whole lot yeah in our previous jack episode you know he's like you know i'm not gonna let you die which i think happens yeah, it has to happen after this chronologically, right? Yeah, I, I'm already getting my timeline screwed up. But, you know, it's like there's, there's some life and death stuff with him being a doctor. But that's that's really about it. Yeah, Do No Harm aired like nine weeks after this. So that was our first uh, Jack-centric episode. Yeah. And with me forgetting that the concept of your guys' podcast was like <laughs> a shuffle thing, I took it upon myself when you assigned me this episode to watch episodes one through 11 uh, in the last couple of days. So I'm pretty fresh on episodes one through 11. So compared to JP and I, you are much more well informed. <laughs> uh, that can yeah. be said of most things. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So let's so let's talk about it then. Uh, we've got some uh, we've got some good uh, some differing perspectives here. I have a very fractured memory of seeing this episode back in uh, in the day. I have almost no memory of what came before it. James is uh, pretty much up to speed as to what's going on. JP uh, is somewhere in the weeds. <laughs> so this episode starts off with yeah, Claire's missing again, and JP put it pretty well in the recap. <laughs> 
Uh, so, like, yeah, it sucks that somebody somebody's gone missing, but like, eh. yeah, she's just kind of the the pregnant needs saving at, at right. this point in the show. It's not even to say something bad about Emily Duravin, the no. actress, or Claire, the character. It's just like, how often will somebody being missing be a, a plot point? A lot. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, like, that'll be something that just happens a lot. And so, like, for a while, the show was like, oh, this show is obviously about pregnant women because that's the <laughs> only thing we're seeing. Now it's going to get to the point where will we just be like, oh, the show is just about people being kidnapped. It's a reboot of The Prisoner or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Locke or, or somebody came up and was like, how could one man drag off three people, one of them pregnant? Technically, her being pregnant, he dragged off four people. Let's not undermine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan. Uh, Ethan is the uh, the culprit here. Yeah. And yeah, everybody like the, the episode kind of begins in like a frenzy. It's like, oh, you know, Claire and Charlie are missing and they, they wander off to go find them and they find Claire's bag. They find a bunch of footprints and then Locke turns on like detective vision. He's Geralt from the Witcher game. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, we don't know much about Locke yet in the in the podcast viewing order, but right. apparently he's he's Superman. He can just he's like, oh, look at these footprints. Oh, yeah. Look at these drag marks. Oh, look at these whatever. Locke's in his element here. It is becoming increasingly clear that uh locks locks should just stay on the island locks should have been born on the island exactly. he's real good at this <laughs> so yeah they find the spot that they got took and jack runs off by himself he's like i gotta find him and and locks like wait we'll we'll like we should do this in an organized manner <laughs> we should do, like do this appropriately instead of just running off all half cock and jack's like nah jack is in rare form in this episode and like th- I, that seems very out of character for him and in addition, because I had just watched the first 10 episodes, there's literally an episode where Kate's like, oh, do you want to know like this information? And he's like, I'm not really big on holding on the grudges, he says with like a really suave smile. And then in this episode, you watch it and it's like, oh, Jack, you're really big on holding on to fucking grudges. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's, like he brings up like, hey, Kate, let's talk about honesty and like what you did in your previous life i'm like where is this coming from yeah like he gets like yeah later on uh when him and kate are out still searching for claire and charlie yeah he gets he starts bagging on her about honesty and shit like that it's like bro like pot kettle here (laughs) well and uh, they do that thing that a lot of people do and shows always do like how did you know how to kind of be a tracker my dad was an army ranger so my my dad was a truck driver i don't know how to drive a semi you know what i mean like (laughs) it's like sure you might pick up things here or there but like actually tactically uh, tracking people through the jungle i don't think he taught you how to do that while you were just like in the backyard (laughs) yeah yeah and so like off of that jack gets on kate about not being honest like jack we already know is constantly full of shit like Locke's probably full of shit too like everybody's lying so we're never gonna learn anything about these people because everybody's too goddamn cagey with their own like personal bullshit and (sighs) it's going to become abundantly clear to the audience that i am pretty anti uh early jack (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's getting on kate meanwhile in his flashbacks he was had the the woman not be pregnant or had that information not be revealed he was gonna let his drunk dad like get off yeah he's gonna cover it up for his dad yeah so this this is our our first look at saint sebastian hospital which ends up being a pretty prominent location um throughout the show i think uh, i think we see it like 10 or 15 times something like that but we uh we find out that jack and his dad work together christian is a surgeon jack's a surgeon it's like it, it made me think there's the joke of like oh i'm gonna go into the family business like well what's 
does your dad do for like, oh, he's a fucking brain surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can just do that? All right. Um, but yeah, so like they get in there. Jack's trying to save this person. Christian is like, it's over, man. You can't do it. And once again, we see we see here again, Jack having a hard time letting somebody die on his table. Like when he was dealing with Boone, when he dealt with what's his uh, talking about in the flashback in that same episode, like you have problems letting go. Yada, 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 yada. It's like, okay, Jack's super doc. Mm -hmm. Cool, 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 cool. So Jack runs off on his own. Eventually, Locke and Kate and Boone meet up with him in the jungle. And this is where I had to pause and lose my mind for a second because Locke says something to the effect of... Jack! It's a good thing you're going in a circle. Not much of a search grid, but we never would have found you otherwise. When you're tracking someone and you lose the trail, that is what you were supposed to do. It's searching in a spiral pattern, so you would be going in circles. So Locke's dunking on him for doing exactly what he's supposed to. (laughs) Yes. Just saying. Yeah, uh, Locke and Boone and Kate, um, th- That that's born out of a brief interaction at the beach where like Locke's back there. He's like, we're former search party. Claire and Charlie are missing. Uh, and who is it? Like Michael and Hurley. They wander up. Like, how come yeah. we're not helping? And he's like, oh, too many cooks or whatever. And it's just like. <laughs> right. So Michael's like, I'm going to start my own search party with Blackjack and Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like yeah it's like michael comes in all in a huff and Locke has a good point it's like well we're going this way yeah go the other way just start a second search party like we you can participate like yeah. you don't have to wait for instructions from me it's like, right i, I, I did appreciate it's like yeah you want to start a search party go like i'm i'm not your dad even though he's constantly acting like everybody's dad yeah, yeah. and michael's like oh no my passive aggressive comment didn't land oh shoot i guess i better <laughs> follow through with it. <laughs> Then immediately Walt comes over and he's in the John Locke fan club calling him a warrior and how he can hunt and track stuff and kill a boar. And I'm just like, Walt, yeah, because I'm in the John Locke fan club, too. I got the decoder ring and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the John Locke fan club, but I'm in the the anti-Michael bitching all the time. fan club. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember if I talked briefly about this in the pilot, but uh, this might have just been an excuse for Michael and Hurley to have lines. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make sure that our uh, main cast for this episode isn't entirely pale. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't realize it at the time because my brain hadn't been programmed to, you know, look for things like that. But Lost is real, real white, man. Yeah. It's, it's super real white. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong for being a super, super white show. One of the best relationship arcs of the whole show is Korean, which I fucking love. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Sun, Sun Jin for life. You which know? This is not a Sun Jin episode, which I, I was a little bit bummed about because I think that's probably one of the best aspects of the show is Sun and Jin. But yeah, this episode was pretty white. <laughs> I'm just saying in order to fix that rather than be like, oh, the flight left from Los Angeles, just be like, oh, the flight left from Montana. There we go. Uh, the flight left from Sydney. <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good point, James. Whatever. <laughs> <sighs> They haven't said that yet in the wrong order of the show. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they said it in the pilot. I wasn't listening. (laughs) Here's another thing that's happening with the survivors before we dig into the uh, continuation of the search party. Boone and Shannon are fighting. And that's another thing where it's just like, okay, I get you guys are siblings or whatever. Or like we already found out in Do No Harm that they're not blood related. They're half siblings or step siblings or whatever. But like fucking 
they are arguing. They're not. It's like just, just fuck already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't. They're both yeah. toast, anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> we, I know, you know, we all know that eventually, like Bo- Boone, we already saw die. I mean, Boone, Boone is the red shirt. He's yeah. the red shirt of, of season one. Yeah, and he brings it up. But what's my next note here? Uh, Oh, it's just Christian drinking problem, question mark? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is a thing that clearly you guys watching it out of order. This was set up just like a couple episodes previously. Oh, okay. That that Christian had a drinking problem. Well, and and beyond that, like we already know that Jack likely has a drinking problem. One of his coping strategies in the pilot is vodka, which is not a healthy coping strategy for anyone who needs to hear that. (laughs) Oh, well, there I go, starting back off at step one. God damn it. So, you know, alcohol. Alcoholism is genetic. So like if Christian has a drinking problem, Jack having a drink problem, like that all that all tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's just a lot as I'm going through this, there's a lot of them like tracking through the woods. They they start to come across uh, I believe it was Charlie who's it appears that he's leaving them some sort of like breadcrumbs in order to follow follow me this way. He's got some bandages on his on his uh, knuckles. Um, and then uh, the the trail seems to go one way and then the um, the little breadcrumbs seem to go a different way. So our search party splits up. Um, mm-hmm. And this is where I have my next note. It just says that Jack doesn't listen to Locke in this instance. He says it's probably not a good idea to split up. Jack is like, we should split up since the trail splits here. And it's just another instance of Jack having to mm-hmm. having to do everything and not listening to Locke. Because the parallel here, at least in my opinion, is that Locke is reminding him of his dad and how domineering his father was before they became estranged. So regardless of if it's a good idea or not, Jack's not going to listen to him because in this moment to jack Locke is christian yeah and obviously it ends up being like a pro and con situation the fact that they split up like you can see both points it's like oh yeah Locke made a good point here but at the end of the day jack is the one who finds charlie so right (laughs) yeah the whole yeah the searching the looking around the arguing like between the, the arguing between jack and kate is not entirely compelling to me Jack's being pretty hypocritical and Kate's being mysterious and it's just like yeah <laughs> we're, we're we're not really advancing the plot at all we're just kind of we're doing that thing where television characters aren't being honest with one another and it's just slowing things down and, and it's like we, so. we could have gotten off this island four four days ago if we'd all just been honest with one another yeah and it's like sometimes that can make for compelling television but right. not too much right yeah yeah so, it, it, and especially not in this case. Um, the other half of the search party, ja- uh, Locke and Boone, they they just kind of like chatter about some like they like get to know each other a little bit more. Like, oh, what do right. you do? Oh, I run a wedding company. Oh, what'd you do? I worked at a box factory. And like, excuse me, he was the regional collection supervisor for a box company, aka in witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> John Locke right here in this the, of the four people in the search party, the only person being 100% honest and doesn't even make me feel any better about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, he's telling the truth about everything as far as we know. And it's just like, okay, cool. It's, it's just, they've just chosen such a strange time to start opening up and, and getting to know one another. I mean, like <laughs> a pregnant woman is missing. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, John, and John and Boone are just like, yeah, I'm a CFO of a, of my mom's wedding company or whatever. 
cool, bro. Yeah, you, you like football? <laughs> like, <laughs> since I'm being everyone's dad, what do you think about the Colts? <laughs> both Jack and Locke, after they separate, we get from them that they both personally feel guilty for Claire getting snatched for different reasons. But that's why they're both so gung-ho about you know being on that. And so like, there's a bit of personal character honesty there, which is refreshing. And then from us, I guess... <laughs> Just not caring that Claire was gone. We still don't know who took Claire. I mean, we know that there's this guy named Ethan, but like, who is Ethan? What What's Ethan's deal? I, I, I guess like as as we go along in this, because there was a chunk of dialogue here where Locke starts talking after this, uh, when he's talking about the, the woman who sent the, the distress signal and that she's still alive. He references the others, says That's something about her team getting sick, heard something in the jungle. It's all these... These are all Saeed saying all this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's Saeed. Oh, I'm sorry. The, it, yeah. No, that, yeah, because I have the I have the same note here that Saeed was missing and has returned to the beach. He was somewhere. And yeah, yes. he starts doing this information dump that you were just talking about. Yeah, sorry. That that's what happened uh, next after the scene with Locke. My bad. Um, so yeah, Saeed's talking about um, this the the woman that was on the distress signal. How she's still alive. He references the others. Uh, mentions her team getting sick. Like all these all these things that are obviously like more of the overarching mystery. But we're just we don't really address anything about them. We're just stating that they exist in this episode. So it's just kind mm-hmm. of like nah. attached to Saeed's return to the camp from God knows where Sawyer is not happy to see that he's back. No. And I don't know why. <laughs> I, I mean, James, probably I mean, knows why. I mean, I know why. <laughs> well, <laughs> they probably talked about it like three episodes prior to this. Uh, right. Because from from our perspective, Everyone's like, all right, Claire's missing. Charlie's missing. All these people are missing. We got to go get a search party. All right, let's go. And then uh, Sawyer comes strolling in, talking to Walt like, so what's going on? I've just been kicking it on the beach. <laughs> and and this is the moment where Walt figures it out. He's uh, he's like, oh, yeah, Ethan's whatever, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, well, maybe he just lied about his name. And that's when like we as the audience are like, oh, God, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. we I, we kind of probably figured it out already prior to this, but like Walt's the one who figures it out at the beach, right? Right. Yep. Like Ethan's not a survivor. He's he's lied about who he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ethan, <laughs> what a guy. Played uh, ably by uh, Tom Cruise's cousin William Mathiper. Oh my God! No really? way. <laughs> I don't see a resemblance, but all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise's birth name is Mathiper or something like that. So they actually they legally have the same last name. Not that that matters at all. As far as resemblance, I always kind of thought that this dude looked like Nathan Fillion. I, yeah, I could see I that. Guess, sure. I could see yeah. that. Who is also in the show at some point. Yep. Nathan Fillion's yep. in the show? Yeah, he's a guest star in some Kate nonsense. So it'll be more flyover episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that brings up another thing. We we talked in previous episode about how Jack is good at everything, and as soon as he meets Ethan, he's good at getting punched in the face. <laughs> it's so annoying that he's good at absolutely everything. Um, yeah, Jack and Claire get caught up in some some rain. Jack takes a little tumble down a down a muddy hill. And at the bottom, Ethan greets him with a nice right hook and says to stop following him or he's going to kill somebody. And they have a bit of a tussle and Ethan just knocks the dust off of him. 
which makes it's like, oh, well, how how could you, you think back to Locke's question? How could so and so drag off to? It's like, well, obviously he's the Hulk. Like he's super strong. <laughs> he beats the the piss out of Jack yeah. here. Just no problem. Slapping him around a bit, making him feel and look silly. Yes. Um, where do we go from there? Do we want to jump back to the flashback? Why don't we just finish talking about how the the search and everything sure. resolves, and then we'll we'll touch on what remains of the um, the flashback stuff. Okay, yeah, sounds good. So from there, Jack wakes up again, and then he and Claire continue against the wishes of Ethan to uh, search for Claire and Charlie and, and everyone else. They, yeah, they just keep following the, the tape breadcrumb things that, uh, that Charlie's been uh, leaving behind. And, uh, and, and before too long, we, we get a, a payoff on Ethan's threat. They stumble upon Charlie hanging from a, a mangrove tree by a vine. Yeah, that was, uh, was not expecting that. That is, yeah, that is a dead Charlie. Like, I forgot how much they convince you, like, oh, no, that what you're looking at, that's a corpse. He probably was hanging here for like an hour. (laughs) He's not wiggling at all. He's completely purple. When they go to cut him down, I'm like, oh, that's nice. You're going to take him back to the beach and bury him because there's no way he's still alive. (laughs) There's no way he can be saved, even by the good doctor. Well, I don't know about that because Jack, uh, probably still mad about getting his uh, shit rocked by Ethan just starts beating on unconscious Charlie, uh, uh, trying to beat him to life. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was wondering, is this the beginning of like the J.J. Abrams trope of having characters just like punch people back to life? Because yeah, that, that pops up in a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff. I'll punch the death right out of you, Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, he goes he goes to town on it so to the point where kate's like okay that's enough like and it parallels again with the operating room scene from earlier in the episode and christian's like call it and jack's like you call it yeah <laughs> there's no- practically there's practically an act break in between the punching <laughs> well and they they do a really good job with the the music swelling and like you're like oh no this is the end of this character like yeah that that's that and then just <laughs> I was 100% sure, like, even though partitioned in my brain, I know that Charlie survives. Like, that in the moment, I'm sitting there watching, like, oh, Charlie's dead. He's so dead. He's so dead in this. Like, does it make his, like, saving moment surprising? You bet. But it makes Jack's, like, life-saving punch man moment way more unbelievable. Because he goes into it like the drunk guy that's already been kicked out of the bar twice. Like, (laughs) I'm going to get back in. Um (laughs) Uh, but he pulls it off. This is another instance of Jack being likely concussed. I should start doing that. I should start keeping track of how many concussions Jack gets on the island. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that that is definitely a thing you should do. Please. If we're doing that, we also need to keep track of other injuries because when, when Charlie's sitting around the fire later, you know, he's like, you know, are you so he asked something about like does it still hurt or something it's like it you 100% cracked his sternum like there's no ifs ands or buts about it like also there's probably neck fractures too from probably. just hanging <laughs> yeah he, he's got this big ugly purple bruise around his neck like Jack you actually probably should have let Charlie die <laughs> he's going to have severe lingering effects from your quote unquote rescue of him <laughs> uh, he hasn't said anything are you sure he's not brain dead like he was without oxygen for a while any time between like three minutes and 
two hours he was without a <laughs> oxygen question yeah. mark yeah. amount and and then the saddest part comes to like uh after we realized that charlie's uh going to live this was such a sad moment for me when he's sitting there and he finally talks he's like oh he hasn't talked since they came back he finally like uh what does he say he's like um He's like, he's so depressed that they didn't want to kidnap him, too. <laughs> Why do they want Claire? She's so worthless. <laughs> oh, am I, am I projecting? Okay. Um, there's, there's still a little bit of Saeed and Sawyer drama. Like, they come face to face, and Saeed says something. Like, we, we get the idea that Saeed had done something to Sawyer and, and left the camp in shame. And had returned for a question mark, but he talks about the the, the French woman and the this sh- that she's likely the source of the distress call that we heard in the pilot. Yes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. That, that's pretty much it for Said. And- yeah, I, that I mean, that's one of those you know trying to just from like a mystery standpoint, they did a really good job of making that not only a depressing moment, but, it, but it's also kind of creepy moment in the pilot where it's like, oh God, this thing's just been yeah, going on yeah. repeat. Like, oh, that's sort of chilling. Like 18 years. And now it's like, ah, she's still alive. Uh, it's like, oh, that's almost worse. Yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> worse. And when, when you guys meet her too, cause I, I imagine in your watch, you haven't met her yet. No. Which, which we have in the show um, or in the chronological order. But when you meet her, it's clear, JP, you are, you're on the nose there. It's, yeah. She is having a rough go of things, sure. to say the least. To say the least. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, let's finish talking uh, about the um, the flashback stuff back in back in the yeah, hobby. which which I really I did like that. It, not that it felt cohesive with what was happening on the island, but I did like this as like a mini, like a short film, just sure. on its own standalone merits. I, yeah. I liked I liked this story that was happening there. Yeah, like if you take this just the flashback scenes of this episode and cut them out and watch it as its own little story, minus the island stuff. Yeah. That's a yeah. It's a compelling little what, probably twelve fifteen minute story. Yeah, because I mean you got drama between a father and son, you know, and they're they're elite uh, surgeons at this at this hospital, and, and you know they're they're butting heads over Christian obviously operating on the table under the influence, and Jack being willing to cover it up because you know Christian is all faults aside uh, and flaws aside, uh, incredibly charismatic. And, and he's he's probably like uh, when he's not sauced up, he's probably a brilliant surgeon. Absolutely, yeah. And I think I think they do a good job of you getting that at least just through the guy's acting. And I think he's one of the standouts, in my opinion, in this John episode of, oh, yeah. of one of the better Love actors. John Terry here, he was incredible at saying one thing, but you can tell on his face that there's a lot more going on in what right. he's saying. Just really excellent, and just like the theme of like family loyalty or group loyalty. Like toxicity. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You've got no Uh, reason to back this person other than they're a blood relative. Right. And now it's becoming more okay to say, well, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. And that's like a mentality, like that, the us versus them mentality of like, oh, we're your, we're your crew though. And like, that's just, it's a theme that I, that frustrates me because it can nauseate me so much in reality when it's like, oh no, you're supposed to overlook atrocities when it's your blood. And it's like, that's, horrible and and christian is so excellent at manipulating his son into signing that piece of paper saying that it wasn't his fault 
Yeah. Yeah. Jack, uh, again, faults and, and flaws aside, is a very, very smart person. And how easily he's manipulated by Christian in this instance is is stunning. And super telling. Yeah. Even that at that age, Jack is just like a like he wants to do the right thing, but he he wants to please his dad, too. Like he'll always defer to whoever daddy is. Yeah. I mean, his dad refers to him as you're the most brilliant young surgeon in the city. That sounds so specific. Like you've been grooming him just for for this purpose. Like it's it's got to have messed with his psyche a lot to like just being his dad's not only just his shadow, but in his line of sight too. Yeah, like like in the event that yeah, Christian's drinking gets out of control, he'll always have his 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 little baby boy to back him up. Exactly. Right. Didn't even think about that, JP. That's fucking good. While while still treating his son like dirt most of the time, unless it serves his needs to exactly. like butter butter him up. Exactly. Yeah, he, he opened that speech with like, I I probably don't, I probably didn't tell you this enough, or haven't said this enough, right? Like, he knows exactly when to turn on the old faucet and give out just <laughs> enough reinforcement to keep Jack on the hook still, you yeah. know. Listen, Slugger, you just you just sign this you sign this document absolving me from any negligent actions, killing that woman and her baby, and we'll we'll go play fetch in the park or catch in the park. No, you'll fetch. You're gonna catch the ball with your mouth because I never taught you to catch. <laughs> and and Christian would have got away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling fetuses. <laughs> oh no. Um can I complain about cinematography for a minute? Yeah. Sure. This is a okay. Lost on Lost recurring segment called JP Rants about cinematography for yeah. 40 seconds. Uh, okay, really quick. Uh, I did not put these in order. There was a bunch of shots by the waterfall that were out of focus. A shot of Charlie when he's staring by the fire that's out of focus. There's a weird color temperature thing that's happening when Jack and his dad are in his office and they're doing the sign the sign the letter thing. I understand they didn't have like LED fixtures, so CRI index was was more difficult to deal with, uh, with probably compact fluorescence or fluorescent tubes, or perhaps tungsten fixtures. God, I would hope not. And yeah, I think that was it. There's there's just there's some weird color temperature stuff going on in this one. Um, oh, and you can tell, especially when they're in the jungle, that they're in the constraints of television because uh, shot for shot, some of the tonal values um, that are happening uh, are different because of cloud cover passing overhead. And you can tell they're taking different takes from different time. And uh, that's just, hey, that's show business and shooting outdoors, baby. Yep. Yeah, I do remember uh, Kate being blurry at one of the waterfall scenes. Yeah. Like very specific, vividly. I remember it being very out there's of focus. There's something, I don't know if it's the same crew on all these, but there's definitely like, I don't know if they don't have a lot of time to rehearse or if actors aren't hitting their marks exactly. But I... I can tell that one of their assistant cameras is not confident in his focus a lot, or maybe I don't know if they had monitors with focus peaking or something like that, whatever camera platform they were shooting on. But the assistant camera is doing a lot of rolling the focus to, to double check where they are. And it's it just kind of speaks to, OK, we probably didn't have a lot of time to either retake this or to rehearse it. Mm hmm. And, and that's certainly not the first time that either you, JP, or James, you mentioned mentioning that problem. And both, at least both times that I'm recalling us talking about it, it's been outdoor stuff. It's been jungle stuff. So yeah. it's like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I buzz focus a lot, but I'm also <laughs> not shooting for television. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's not the like the easiest job. To well, they, shot, they shot in Hawaii, but I mean, they had to shoot 
other stuff, like all the flashback stuff, not in Hawaii, right? That's actually not true. They shot ninety eight percent of the show in Hawaii. In the in the Kate episode we just watched, I remember when she stopped by the army recruiting office, which is supposedly somewhere in the American South. Okay, sure. and you look at the window, and I'm I'm pretty sure you see like four palm trees. <laughs> it's oh. obviously a storefront <laughs> in Honolulu somewhere. Oh my god. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think they did a ton. Like, even like the LA stuff was shot in Hawaii for the most part. Damn, man. Yeah, that's then I would feel like it would be the same crew then. Like that was the that was the out I was going to give them. It's like, oh, yeah, if there's a Hawaii crew and an LA crew. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I worked on a movie in Hawaii and you have people that either fly in from the continental part of the country from either LA or New York or Georgia or whatever. And then there is a decent pool of uh, local Hawaii hires that work on the shows and movies out there. But like any show, regardless of where you shoot it, not, not, you can't always keep the same people. Sometimes people got to move on to another gig and like, you know, especially with like assistant camera, like you'll keep your DP for the majority of a season likely, but they'll go through 12 different assistant cameras probably. Probably. Yeah. Do we want to move on to MVPs? Uh, I have one last note. Oh, sure. That doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Uh, just that Hurley lost $20,000 to Walt playing Batman. <laughs> that was such a fun little scene. <laughs> I have that written as funniest bits from the episode. And it, it's, it's exactly that. And it's so rarely do you get a joke that it's funny on the surface because of just, just of Hurley's delivery. But then knowing what you know later, if you go back and watch that, it's funny for completely different reasons yeah as like as he's telling you you know i'm good for it (laughs) (laughs) oh what does what does um walt say about michael and his dad i i I was writing something else and i didn't quite catch that doesn't he say Uh, something that like michael's not really his dad yes sorry okay so that's set up a lot already in the first 10 episodes i don't know that (laughs) i know i know i know do you want me to say you say it or keep it in the keep you in the dark about it keep me in the dark you got it you got it don't worry about it then that's don't worry about it that's the charm of the show that we're idiots (laughs) walt mentions that yeah he he says something about a dude named brian and so either michael or brian is his i don't remember one of them is the stepfather one of them is the real father and he lived in sydney and he's going back with michael because his does he say i think he says it that his his mom died his mom yeah. died yeah they yeah. say that in this episode so like we find out that yeah that's part of the reason why walt and michael are traveling together there is one last thing we got to say before we move into the uh, the end of the episode segments boone and Locke at the end of their search party they like Locke admits he's like oh i i, I lost interest in finding charlie and claire hours ago and i'm not even doing that anymore um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just out here hunting for pokemon <laughs> Pretty much, he's like, it, like Boone's like, where? What's happening? He's like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not gonna find them. And then they they stumble across a big metal thing under the ground. Boone's like, is this part of the plane? And Locke's like, that's what we're gonna find out. And they're they're, they're gonna dig it up, whatever it is. That's right. Yeah. Can I complain about water tables for a second? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, this will be the first iteration of the recurring Lost on Lost segment. Uh, JP complains about water tables. <laughs> uh, this will actually be the second because I talked about it in the last episode. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> again, there's going to be an underground structure that close to a riverbed. Like you're you're under the water table, my dude. How, it's it's not an underground enclosure. It's an underwater enclosure at that point. You, you, for, you forgot one thing, though, JP. What? that magic 
<laughs> I fucking hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. All right. Let's do lost MVPs. Yes. So our lost MVPs are our favorite character of the episode, regardless of other episodes we've seen. Whatever this forty-five minutes, who was our favorite? James. Yes. So I kind of. And and you can tell me, no, James, pick one. But I kind of picked two for each of these, like one for acting and one for plot. But should, sure. if you want me to pick one, I will pick one. No, that's great. So for acting, I picked Christian Shepard. So Jack's dad, because I just thought he was incredible. And it's just such, the scene with him and signing the signing the paper like he knows he's on the ropes like Jack is literally going to end his career but he still has all this like confidence in manipulating his son it's just it's excellently done yeah no doubt uh, John Terry is um, a great actor he's uh, had a super long career had small roles in a ton of different films like the one that always sticks out to me is uh, Full Metal Jacket he's got like one scene but he he kills it he, he's yeah. the best part of that um, he was in Zodiac like he was in uh, he did a bunch of Oh yeah, stuff. I forgot he was in Zodiac. I totally forgot about Zodiac. Yeah, I mean, I will always know him from Lost first and foremost, but that's that's just my own personal watching sure. <laughs> habits. But all right, so if we're if we're talking plot though, MVP plot, MVP character, it's it's got to be it's got to be John Locke in this episode. Yeah. I mean. His, <laughs> his infinite patience with a Jack that is like running around with a chicken with a panic attack the attitude of a petulant toddler it's ridiculous his infinite patience with it has to be rewarded and his constantly ignored rational advice again mostly by jack like it's it's incredible and i think he shows an excellent amount of resourcefulness when it comes to tracking however magical that those talents tend to be but also leading the party even though it got split eventually he he's the reason they end up finding ethan and charlie it's all him sure yeah and he he, he he keeps he keeps he keeps people level-headed too uh or he tries to he tries to jack jack goes about his own way though <laughs> i'll allow it in this instance since you're the guest <laughs> <laughs> busher who uh who was your mvp it's my man uh it's my man walt for uh hustling uh-huh. at backgammon <laughs> Yeah. And for being the one who figures out for the survivors that uh, like how Ethan like put together the plot, like how he's not a survivor. He was (laughs) so well for that, that, you know, that childlike uh, imagination and ingenuity that allows a different perspective than the adults. Yeah. JP, who's your uh, lost MVP? Uh, Claire, because she's gone. (laughs) 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 Fucking hate Claire. It's going to get to the end of season one of the podcast where JP and I are going to utterly despise basically every main character <laughs> except for JP will always love John Locke. My sweet baby boy. <laughs> and I will always love Sun and Jin. <laughs> How? No, JP, I promise you, you will always love Sun and Jin. Oh, no, I already, I like them a lot. Um, I'm not saying you'll love them more than John Locke, yeah, but, but John, John Locke's but, my special boy. They never get irritating. Their story is fascinating. It's yeah. so good. Well, and from an acting perspective, they're 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 just so on point, top notch. Yeah, even even the low points of their storyline, it's like they're the the two of them have one of the best relationships and one of the best like through lines of the whole show. Yes, um, start to finish, I love them. I will always love them. Right. 
Let's move on to Lost Forever. Yes. All right. Lost Forever. Should I go first? Yeah. Uh, all right. Acting wise, it's got to be the mouth breather, Ethan, for sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a direction thing, but he, his just whole like lumbering, looming villain aspect. It's just sure. yeah. it was a bit much. I mean, I don't know. I could have gotten a little bit more like when he's beating the shit out of Jack, maybe a little bit of remorse there just to show that he's not just like this mustache twirling villain (laughs) but that's all he comes across as to me painted very broadly with the evil brush (laughs) yeah exactly i kidnapped claire now i'm gonna tie her to the railroad tracks yeah so and then plot wise the worst my my lost forever it's michael and is it ever anyone other than Michael <laughs> or Claire? I doubt it. <laughs> oh, so why was Michael the hole for you? I mean, his whole, I, I, on an acting standpoint, like his frustration with Locke about the search party thing and then like him going south, like, oh, okay. I mean, you're kind of throwing a little temper tantrum for no reason. So that was frustrating. But then also like plot wise of the episode that goes nowhere. There's nothing like he comes back from his search party and his son is like, hey, they found Charlie and Michael's like, oh, okay. No one asks Michael, like, how did your search go? He was just like, don't ask me about my search, please, because it was just a sidetrack. On a bottle cap. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it was a it was a non-starter thing for the episode. So yeah. I think Michael on just A, being annoying, and B, just his plot was, was nothing. It was unnecessary in this. Yeah, totally fair. Busher, lost forever. One of one of my other favorite punching bags, one Kate Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that Jack was out of his mind uh, when he was beating Charlie to life, if he had listened to Kate and her advice, we would have lost Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. Yeah. So back in the corner, Kate Austin, you are not doing yourself any favors. <laughs> <laughs> where's her moment of reflection to be like oh shit like i should have listened to jack not not non-existent yeah jp lost forever the maintenance person at saint sebastian's hospital because they never replaced any of the light bulbs in the operating room that was the darkest operating room that has ever existed (laughs) it had one overhead light that is just that's that's where the negligence suit is going to come in the whole hospital is going down (laughs) that's it's just you're not doing your job. It's irresponsible. <laughs> burning questions. Did either of you guys have a burning question? A question that was raised in this episode that did not get answered by it, and you hope that it does get answered in the future. I mean, I, I want to know about the woman with the distress recording. Just desperately want to know more about that. Okay. James, what do you think? For sure. Yeah, that's that's an excellent one. Being a fan of the show, like, what is that piece of metal in the ground? That's clearly the episode. It it builds to that moment, that being the last, the big cliffhanger, the big act out. So, you know, it's important. But also, we're still reminded that we don't know, like, what this, like, big mysterious thing Kate did before the plane crash. And it's like, there's constantly this reminder of, like, Kate did something and we don't know. Oh, yeah, James, you wonder what Kate did? You know, you've been so smug with your 10 episodes worth of knowledge. Uh, JP and I already know what (laughs) Kate did. (laughs) I'm just realizing that I wrote some of these notes and I'm like, huh. I forgot about the randomness of this. Yes, jokes on you. We we watched Kate's episode and we know what a hatch is. So I am. That's one of the things about Lost that I'm actually. It's a it's a gap in my memory. 
what did yeah. what did Kate do? Well, you're just gonna have to. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to listen to your guys's episode. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to listen to the episode that will have aired two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh my god. Perfect. Uh, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but uh, l- let's take a moment to revisit whether or not we liked this episode. Dude, JP, did you like this episode? Mm, you know what? I like the friends we made along the way, but not, <laughs> not really. That's fair. James, what about you? Did you like this episode? Uh, it's a yes and no, because uh, especially because of the flashback stuff. I really like the flashback stuff. Um, and I like the setup for the hatch. Because the hatch is something that I very much have nostalgia feelings for in terms of watching Lost back, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first episode with the hatch. And you're just like, the second he, Boone dropped that flashlight, I was like, oh, shit, the hatch. I forgot about the hatch. <laughs> um, so, yes and no. I mean, a, as an episode structure, I mean, it's it's mostly a, a boring episode of people wandering through the forest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's get a plug from you, James. Uh, let's let's talk about your show. Yeah, I, I ho- co-host a podcast called Trailer Hitch. You guys, we get movie trailers here and there, uh, less so these days. But what we do on <laughs> Trailer Hitch is we talk about those movie trailers. We we joke about them. We talk about their merits. Uh, and then at the end, we re- we rate them on a scale of need to see, need to see more or never need to see. We try to keep it pretty basic. And if uh, Kevin Heyer is my co-host um, and if we agree on, hey, man, that trailer knocked it out of park. It's a need to see it. We go see that movie and then we report back to you guys and talk about the movie and how it related to the trailer. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 really just an excuse to talk movies and to talk movies in a way that everyone has access to them, which is just watching movie trailers on YouTube. It's free. Everyone can watch them. So let's have a podcast that no one will be left out in the dark about. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Where uh, where can people tune in? People can. Oh, hang on one second. I have my I have my little business card here that has stuff on it. He's got business cards. JP, JP, make a note that we got to get business cards. <laughs> Stenographer, write that down. <laughs> You can find Trailer Hitch on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. We have YouTube videos that I just upload there on Trailer Hitch Podcast there. And you can contact us any way you want on on Instagram with at Trailer Hitch Podcast, at Twitter with at Trailer Hitch Pod, on Facebook with Trailer Hitch Kevin James. Don't ask. Uh, it's not it's not the actor. It's the the co-hosts Kevin and James and then uh, on Google you can email us at trailer hitch mailbox at gmail.com were so, too many yeah. people's like grandpas trying to hit you up for actual trailer hitches on Facebook is that you what I- have no idea <laughs> you have we get at least at least once every few months we get legitimate questions asking about trailer hitches or truck compartments or components and i'm just like kevin you deal with this hey what do you think about this sway bar is that looking is this is this still good should i like, pay five hundred dollars I always want Kevin to respond to those with just like one of our least favorite movie trailers, uh, like a link to it. But he usually ends up being very nice, nice to them. Here's the trailer to hard target. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for letting me plug that. We're also on Stitcher. We're also on Stitcher too. Nice. 
I was about to say, you were going to forget the one podcatcher that I actually listened to your show was on, it? which is Stitcher. Uh, I caught it, though, at the end there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, J- Adam, I made these business cards that I'm reading off of before we were on Stitcher, so uh, I, I remembered it eventually. But yeah, folks, Trailer Hitch is a very funny, very entertaining podcast. Kevin and James do a great show over there, so definitely check them out. Uh, what day do you drop new episodes? We drop episodes every other Monday, so it's twice a month. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, Absolutely check him out. We are going to have Kevin on as a guest for our next episode. But in the meantime, James, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great to have you. Are you kidding? Like, thank you for inviting me. I I love Lost in general. Um, I'm an apologist of it through and through. So if you ever want me back, hey, man, hit me up. We will absolutely have you back. No question about it. And for the audience at home, if you are trying to be lost with us, check out our next episode. We will be watching season two, episode four, Everybody Hates Hugo. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lost on Lost. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm JP. Do you have any idea what's going on in the show? Nope. Me neither. Lost on Lost is produced and edited by Adam Busher and J.P. Russell. Recorded on location in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Los Angeles, California. Our show is hosted at Podbean. Find us there or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks to Danny Schmitz of Lost in a Name for our theme music. Lostpedia and the community of contributors there. Random.org for creating the watch order. Check out our Facebook page, Lost on Lost, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Lost on Lost 1. Don't follow those jerks at Lost on Lost 2. You can also email us at wearelostonlost at gmail.com. If you like what we're getting into here, buy us a coffee at coffee.com slash we are lost on lost. That's ko-fi.com slash we are lost on lost. <laughs>